episode of Hustle is brought to you by Designing, the best place to find creative talent. Need help with a project? Post it on Design Inc. and receive free proposals from the best designers, illustrators, and animators. Join the hundreds of companies and startups that have been connected with the perfect creative for their project. Go to designinc.com hustle and start your project today. All right, welcome back to The Hustle. Um, I'm here today with my new friend, Mark Kimian. Mark's the CEO and founder of Design Inc., uh, they are doing some uh, really cool things. I don't know if you guys checked them out. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, Mark is a really tough guy to introduce, so I'm going to hand it over and let him uh, give a quick overview of, uh, of of who he is and what he's doing, and we'll talk about what's on his mind. What's up, Russell? Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to dive. We don't need to go through my history. It's boring. <laughs> no one cares. I've been a designer 20 years. Uh, I've built a few startups like Design by Humans and T-Fury, some old fun fun ones. I moved up to the Bay Area, worked at a company called Dig, left again to do another startup called Flick that got acquired by YouTube and Google, spent four years at Google, left Google, started a company called North with Kevin Rose. That went on for two years, uh, and we merged that with a watch company called Hodinkee. So that was kind of humming and hollering, and so I decided to dive back in and start my own company last year called Design Inc. There you go, 20 years in two seconds. Well, did, uh, you forgot uh, you forgot uh, Watchville? Yeah, Watchville was part of North. <laughs> uh, when So when Kevin and I left Google in 2014, we, we had this idea that we had this idea that we had no idea. That was the idea. The big idea was no idea. And we thought, gosh, why don't we build an app every four months? And if one takes off, we'll kind of go all in. And so we raised some money. We, we built a wonderful team, uh, Ryan, Caleb, and Jonathan, amazing engineers, uh, very fast. And the second app we built was this thing called Watchville, which was an aggregation of watch news all across the, the net. Mm-hmm. It took off. It did really well. And we found this wonderful niche in the watch world. And today, as of right now, uh, we merged with a company called Hodinkee, which is a very popular watch blog. Uh, if you are into watches, you should go to Hodinkee, go to iTunes, get the Hodinkee app. It's great. Anyway, Kevin is the CEO of Hodinkee and he moved with his wife. They moved out to New York. Uh, there's about, you know, 10 to 20, I, I don't know. I think it's about 20 folks who work there now. Great little company. We sell vintage watches now, uh, but it's mostly a content type of a thing. It's like the, um, it's like the tech crunch of watches, I guess you could say. Uh, but quite a cool little company. Um, if you if you are into mechanical watches, there really is not. Uh, ben Clymer, who started Hodinkee years ago, just a fantastic, kind-hearted soul, knows everything there is to know about watches. He he worked on Hodinkee for almost ten plus years uh, before we merged with him. So Ben's still there. Wonderful uh, group of writers. Um, kind of a different kind of thing. And I frankly, just as an aside, there's there's actually a ton of niches like this, you know, folks come to me with ideas and things that they want to pitch and they're always pitching like photo and video sharing and all this other kind of silly stuff. And I'm like, you know, if you just take a step back, there's wonderful opportunities where tech can impact uh, industries that, that, you know, for example, the mortuary business, morgues, like no one's done any any tech around that. Like, I don't know if you've ever had to plan a funeral. It stinks. Like it is not easy to pick a casket and get a place to go. It's just the worst. Like that's a good thing. Uh, you know, anyway, we can go on and on. Well, that's actually an interesting topic. I mean, I, I went to two 
international conferences in the last three months, you'd be really surprised that the the topic of designing your death, the you the experience of your death. Yeah. Is starting to is starting to people are starting to talk about that. You know, like we spent all this time sort of curating our who you know our identities on social media and doing all this stuff, and and uh, people are starting to talk about like how you, how we can design um, our death and the experience that. Like, what do you mean? Like they're designing they're designing like where I'm getting buried, what the people say. Like, what do you mean exactly? Um. Uh, I th- I think well I went to Slush and uh, Helsinki and I I saw there was like a little breakout session of some of these companies and it was everything from like companies are making industrial design products of like you know like design your own urn all the way to like <laughs> to you know like uh you know like creating a playlist of like the the songs you want played in on your people's funerals. I mean our legacy what we leave behind is is something I think about I've I've three kids I think about. You know, if we as digital, I, I being, I'm a digital designer and work that I did at YouTube, you know, I got, I was privileged enough to work on the YouTube player and some other stuff. But a lot of that stuff, I see it in movies occasionally, which is kind of cool. But now it's 2017, that, that work I did, 2011, 2012, 2013, that work, that work is gone. It's nowhere to be found. YouTube has evolved and changed. New designers have come in, mm-hmm. new teams. And that's kind of like this bummer kind of of what we do. Like we do this work. We build an app or something and it, it's around for a while. Any work I did at Dig is gone. And uh, if we were artists or sculptors or musicians, that song can be passed down and shared. So it is, it is interesting to think about legacy when it comes to being a designer. Like what is left behind except for old hard drives on the shelf that no one can even read anymore with crappy old art files. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a conundrum really. I wish there was a better way to archive our work uh, beyond dribble, congrats to those guys for being acquired this week. Uh, well, maybe if we put our heads together, we can figure it out. Like I was, uh, I had a uh, Mike Buzzard on the the podcast uh, a couple weeks Buzzard. ago, and we were talking. Yeah, he's a cool dude, and we were talking about this, right? Like, you know, some, you know, other than the Internet Archive, like there needs to be a place where the stuff, where stuff can live on and be experienced later. I think and. I don't know if you know Greg Story, but Greg Story, who used to be mm-hmm. the CEO of, Air, of Airbag and um, you know pres- co-president of Happy Cog, like he he spends his whole a lot of his free time just archiving other people's work, mm. so he can maybe do something with it later. Um, not to get too off topic, I mean, I know that you don't like to talk about your your past too much, but I think for those of you that don't know Mark, you really should look in his background because he's got a really diverse, you know, background of, you know, agency work and, uh, and startup work. He's worked at, you know, big tech companies. He's had his own, he's had his own businesses and a lot of, uh, I would say successes and failures. Um, but instead of talking about the past and since you brought up legacy, um, what, what do you, what do you want to be known for? Like when, when you're, when you're on your way out of this world, like, um, what do you want to be known for? What, uh, what is, what are like maybe what's one or two things you hope to accomplish with your career? I'm, I'm sure, you know, and, and maybe personal too. There's a, there's a great, uh, book. I'm gonna look it up here real quick. Clayton Christensen wrote this great book, um, called, I don't want to say it's man's search for meeting. Let me look it up here real quick. Sorry, podcasters. Just please hold for one quick moment. Yeah. How will you, how will you measure your life? Uh, this book had a profound impact on me. How, how will you measure your life? So hit, hit a pause real quick, go get your Amazon link and download it or buy it or however you like to consume, listen to it. 
And Clayton Christensen is a professor at Harvard. He talks, you know, he has a bunch of business books. The Innovator's Dilemma is the one he's most known for. But this book touched me more than any. And he has this premise. He says, it'd be really neat if when you die, you're able to uh, basically stay out of jail, be successful. And he, and he defines success in like a worldly term. He says success meaning you were financially, you got the financial gains that you wanted to and have a great family. That's how he says, if you can, if you can figure out those three things, so to repeat, staying out of jail, uh, getting career and financial success, and also having success in your family, whatever that means to you, which, which I'm very sensitive that family uh, as a definition is not this, I think traditionally it was a husband and a wife and children. I think that the definition of family has evolved quite a bit to be, um, obviously there's uh, many beautiful, wonderful single parent homes that make things work. There's co-parenting homes. Anyway, but whatever those, whatever family means to you, whatever secular success means to you. And he, this whole book is like, talks about how hard it is to have those three things. And, and one of the examples that's interesting, uh, and, and to answer your question directly, I want those three things for my legacy. I want to have a great family. I do want to have some financial and, and kind of business success, see how far I can take design, see how far I can push myself, uh, either as a design leader or as a founder or whatever. And, you know, thirdly, stay out of jail. And the reason he brings the stay out of jail up is because he went, he went to college with the guys from Enron. Those were his college homies. They were his boys. They were, the, they were you know, guys that they'd go have pizza with. And nobody, when they're in college, says, hey, when I get older, I can't wait to go to jail. When I get older, I can't wait to you know, do some insider trading. No one says that. It's crazy. And no one ever says, oh, I, I can't wait to steal a bunch of money from someone and launch a Ponzi scheme. And this, this book is such a wonderful, um, and, we, and everyone sees this. Freelancers have this all the time. You know, you, you had a difficult client, so you add on an extra three hours. You didn't really work. You lie about your billing because you kind of feel slighted and you feel entitled that they put you through so much pain that you should do that. And it, and it helps you really focus on what does integrity kind of mean to you. And I've definitely had moments in my life where I have lied or I have made mistakes or I have done things and I've gotten into a situation where I'm like, crap, how did I get here? I've had to pull back and be a bit self-aware. And that contrast when he kind of talks about the young Enron guys, I think everyone today, if they met an Enron guy or, you know, or, or Bernie Madoff or whoever, we quickly judge them as like, dude, they're bad dudes. Like, don't go into business with those guys. Guarantee you, any of us would have met them 20 years ago in college, they probably would have been friends. They probably would have been dynamic, charismatic, thoughtful, kind. And it's kind of, it's, it's this very interesting slippery slope where I think, you know, I, it's hard to pass judgment on a lot of these folks because you just never know what would happen if you were in the same situation. We, of course, we all think, oh, I'd never do that. I'd never fall into those kind of, kind of in, in kind of that thinking uh but it's 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 very very difficult running an agency for example in your situation i've never actually run run an agency i've run businesses and you know there are definitely opportunities where you raise money or you're dealing with a large amount of money where you can you there are temptations to do bad things with that or not do bad things mm -hmm. for example uh, at the end of a good year where you had good profits, do you keep the profits for you and your partners or do you disperse them to your employees? There's no right or wrong about that. There's some, there's some yeah. ethics there. There's some ethics that say you should probably distribute profits 
and companies like Ben and Jerry's or Patagonia have, you know, Patagonia, for example, has taken a stand and like, well, we distribute profits to environmental causes that we care about. And Yvonne Schnard in his book, Let My People Go Surfing, which is really a great book, talks about we we've made some hard decisions that hindered our growth. They've been around 40 years. He's like, we chose to grow slowly based on the economic decisions we made. And I, you know, if you look at the, the cause of most conflict, it comes down to money. You know, most people get divorced because of money or sex or lack thereof. Uh, most businesses fall apart because of disagreements with money. Most companies fall apart because of lack of money. Like money tends to be kind of the heart of all these things. And we don't talk about it enough. We don't really drill into people's relationships with money. Do like, for example, we inherit, we don't realize this, we inherit this imprinting from our parents of how they dealt with money. Did they use it to show love? Did they use it to manipulate? Did they use it to reward or punish? And we end up adopting those perceptions into how we deal with money, how we negotiate our salaries, how we, um, you know, treat our employees, you know, as you guys have. And I'm, you need to jump in, man, or I'm just going to keep talking. So yeah, <laughs> jump in. I'll give well, you a break. It's, it, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, those, those are definitely things that, you know, I, I have to think about all the time too. Like, you know, an agency is different than, you know, getting investor money in because, you know, you have to keep an agency alive you have to do a lot of things that are uh unique to that that mindset and it's a constant struggle of figuring out like how to how to keep you know how to keep people engaged and caring and i mean on that topic you know i'm 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 happy to say that you know we finally just decided that we would distribute profits you know um it's really hard to but why why you know, we, why we, do that you've worked so hard to build up your agency why what was it about you that made you say let's share some money with some folks why not just keep it all for yourself well, there was one thing that we, we kind of knew this, but we worked with a, a consultant and, our, and also our CFO team that, that helped us really do the math. And we realized one, one thing, um, our company doesn't do projects, we do relationships. So let, let, let's say you're, you're Google and you hire fun size, please hire us Google. Um, <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you hire us, um, we we are we're 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 building stuff with you. You know the fees are transparent. We're not doing projects like what typically happens in most of our revenue. Seventy percent of our revenue, I think, uh, last year, came from current customers wow. that just decided that they wanted to keep doing work with us. And what we realized was is that that was not the work of the salesperson or you know the owner or me or Natalie, the owners of the business. A lot of that work that it took to build that relationship and that level of trust um, it required to build, you know, to keep these things going and growing was the designers, you know, like they were, they were doing that work. And so we, we felt um, because of that model that we have, that's um, more, more like growing a relationship than doing projects and then ending them. We, we, we thought that, well, well it would, it was the right thing to so, do. Okay. So I, so I'm going to, I'm going to take over your podcast for a second and I'm going to jump in. All right. So you're married to your partner, right? To your, to your yeah. agency partner. Yeah. So not only do you have to deal with money issues in a marriage, but also in a company, how do you guys uh -huh. not like murder each other? Oh man. Or do you, you know, maybe like, you do, maybe you do yell and scream and you figure it all out or something. I don't know. Like, how do you do this? Well, uh, so Natalie and I um, met 
many, 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 many years ago. We <laughs> met in a, in a professional you're, you're not setting. Not that old. <laughs> <laughs> no, not okay. Okay, so we we met like uh, ten ten ish yeah. years ago. We met at an agency, so our relationship started on a, in a in a professional setting. Um, throughout the years, we worked together, but we never worked with each other. So by the time we decided to start our business, we had we have always supported each other. Like, hey, I, I need your advice on this, or can you help me with this? And we would even, you know, even though we worked at different companies, we always helped each other. So we knew how to work. Do we knew how to make work together? Um, but we never had a business, so we just had to set like certain boundaries in the early days. Like, you know, let's try not let's let's uh, let's try not to let work consume you, our you, lives. But let's do you also, take phones. We, sorry to jump in. Do you take phones? Do you take phones right. into the bedroom? For, for a while we didn't yeah. and then for a while we did and then for you know and then it comes up we, we're aware of these things we try to make sure we monitor these things but we're trying to be open-minded too like if um, we don't really want to talk about work all the time or work all the time but we realize <laughs> that uh, every now and then one of us will want to talk about it so we have a Natalie and I have just developed these these methods that allow us to uh, you know sort of ask for permission to um, talk about mm. things or, you know, and we're both designers. So like, you know, it's very, very, very rare that we work late, but occasionally one of us will work late, but we understand that we have an understanding that the reason why we're doing that isn't because we have to, it's because we ca- we probably care about that, that thing we're working on. So we, we just, and we also do different uh, jobs mm. in the business. So we, uh, we positioned ourselves in our roles to support each other, not to be in in conflict. With how do you, but how, how do you, okay, real quick though, I got to jump in. How do you resolve conflict? Cause I can't imagine in 10 years, you've never, you haven't agreed on everything. There's no way. No, no, I'll be really honest about this one. So I think, um, until recently things were pretty easy until we sort of hit, hit these points of uh, big fundamental questions about what's next. And so when we, cause when we started the company, the vision was that we're just going to be really small and we're just—it's all going to be—it's all going to be about culture and designing our lives. Um, and then, you know, we evolve and we sort of see like new skills emerging. And I think the most recent incarnation of that is that we want to do whatever it takes to do great work. That might mean doubling in mm. size. It could mean like shrinking down. And so I think that's where it's starting to get hard for Natalie and I because we don't always have the same vision mm. about that like i think we are always in alignment of what we want to do we want to do great work we want to work with great people we want to treat them well but we never it's harder for us to define what long-term success in the business actually uh looks like and we don't we know it's this is our our you know our first business so we don't have a lot of experience with with doing that honestly you know like if it wasn't for we have to just really leverage the partners that we have you know we have we have a great financial partner at this point um we have a we have a uh, we have a board of directors that advise us. I mean, some really smart people that have been in our shoes before and can advise us on a range of topics. If it wasn't for that out the these other perspectives, I think it would be really really difficult for us. And but yeah, the topic of growth right now is the one that's is is probably the causing uh, potential issues because um, we're trying to figure out how to make our destinies align. Because really, at the end of the day. Um, our relationship is what matters most to both of us. And we need, you know, and, and, but uh, you know, as you know, as you grow and uh, as you get older, like your, your uh, definition of, you know, things like success changes. Like at first I thought, man, wouldn't it just be great just to have a business with, with my wife? 
And then it was like, well, wouldn't it be great if like uh, we had like more like awesome designers to work with? And now I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we could take this to other cities? Mm-hmm. And and you know some you know sometimes uh, the you know the way that we think and the way that we work out problems are also different. Like um, you know Natalie's very practical. I, I'm very I'm like I will allow myself to sometimes be uh dangerously dreamy <laughs> about things you know would you uh, ever would you ever uh if it caused enough conflict would you see yourself ever just closing the bu- the business and walking away for the sake of your relationship for the sake of our relationship absolutely like um i i you know i don't um not to get too sappy but you know you know Nat- natalie is my you know She's my boo, you know. I mean, she's every she's she's, a, she's everything yeah. to me. She's everything to me. So like, I I couldn't I wouldn't want to do this business without her. I wouldn't want to live my life without her. Um, you know, to me, and I may not. I probably need to need to go tell her this right after this episode. <laughs> but, um, it, it real it. My career is also important, but it not it, nothing to me is worth um, losing the people that and I tie, love. So just tying this all back, I think you'd really enjoy that Clayton Christensen book, How to Measure Your Life. Because it, it does highlight this idea that the relationships that we have with other people is really what matters. I know it's cliche to say, but it's true. That's why it's a cliche. And I think that for the most part, um, it's funny. When I meet founders who are single founders, and I'm like, well, who's your co-founder? Well, I don't have one. I don't need one. Da, da, da. I don't think they understand what the message that they're, what they're really saying is that they don't care about others they believe that they can do it by themselves and they're letting their ego kind of drive their decision. It is not easy to convince, in your case, Natalie, in, in, other fo- in my case, it's Bjorn, or other folks to kind of latch onto it. a silly dream that you might have. You know, Joel just walked by to convince Joel to leave Google or whoever it might be. It's not easy to convince folks to buy into your idea of what you want to make mm-hmm. and build. And to me, it's a huge social proof right? It's not easy for my wife to sit by and, you know, I've, I left Google in 2014. It's been three years of doing startups. Well, guess what happens when you do startups? You don't make any money. You don't make any money. You pay yourself a very, people are like, oh, it's fancy, this, that, and the other. I'm like, no, it's hard, hard, hard work. And it's compounded. The stress is compounded because of lack of financial security which you're giving up you're delaying that gratification for for a hope of a future liquidity event uh and you're trying to compress time and effort in in a way that uh you know somehow compounds and and somehow you get the benefit five or six years from now um and i think that for the most part people really underestimate uh, the, that, that you don't, you're not happiness. I think someone did a study like over 70 grand, or, I mean, I'm sure you have to change this by city over 70 grand. You make more money than that. It does not change your happiness. It just doesn't. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a plenty, there's a lot of rich people that are miserable as hell. And there's a lot, there's a lot of poor people that are the happiest humans I've ever seen. You know, I surf down in Mexico every year. We go to the poorest of the poor places, you know, the most third world, place in the most beautiful kindest happiest people they have nothing they don't even have three walls they don't even have their but you know they're the happiest sweetest love most loving people they don't care that they didn't get an iphone 7 they don't care that they didn't have you know whatever it might be there's a you know there, uh, there's a designer i was chatting with the other day and if you're listening to this in and uh 
I wish I could have been more direct with him at the time, but I just kind of listened and nodded my head, but I didn't really share with him how I felt. They were complaining about their commute. They were complaining about the free food. They were complaining that they weren't mm. fulfilled on their project team. It was complaint after complaint after complaint. And they work at a very well-known tech company. They have everything taken care of. They have no, like I just was, my jaw was open as I was listening, you know, we're just uh, texting rather. And my heart kind of went out to this person because I just felt like, gosh, what, what is going to make you happy? What, how are you going to figure out how to be truly happy and how to really kind of be self-aware enough to like create, uh, to change things in your life, to, to be grateful and have gratitude? Like it's, it's phenomenal the, the world that we live in. It's phenomenal the blessings of you. Having a job is a big deal. I, I've not had jobs. You know, I've known yeah. what it's like to go work at a startup for five months and not get paid. I've known what it's like yeah. to like have no money in your bank account or be like, yeah. you know, 80 grand. I was, in fact, when we, when I, when I was done with Design by Humans and T-Fury, I've shared this before, my family and I were in massive debt. We got destroyed by the housing crash. We had to short sell our house. I came up to San Francisco on a prayer. I was like, forget it, I'm, let's go to Dig. I got a good salary at Dig. We short sold our house. I'm, I'm towing, towing along my wife and my three kids. You know, there are six, I think there were six, three and one or five, two and brand new born at the time. No, no 80 grand in debt. Just like, all right, let's go to San Francisco. There's yeah. a lot of tech jobs out there. So we cruise up there. And while, when I was at Dig, I just got lucky. I met some three, three buddies that were engineers. We built a thing at night called Flick and it just, it just happened, you know, when we released it. We did this after hours, by the way, on our own. We didn't raise any money. Uh, and we released it about a year and a half after working at Dig. And it got the attention of Google and YouTube and some others. And, and we got we got acquired. We didn't get acquired. We got acquired, right? Which means, hey, right. we love your team. Come work here. And it was amazing. It was an incredible that that we made some money. We were able to pay off our debt, put some money into the bank. It was a huge blessing, huge blessing. But I got to tell you, so if you're listening to this and you are getting destroyed by debt or whatever it might be, or you're financially just like hanging on by your fingernails, it would think like, just keep plodding along. It will get better. It always does. It absolutely will get better, but you can't give up and you can't stop and you can't like lay in bed all day expecting, you know, things to kind of emerge. And this individual who's working at this large internet company that, that rhymes with Nook and uh, Ace is, uh, you know, in my opinion, probably one of the higher paid designers in the world working at a company that has massive impact and influence. And I believe that if you're in this kind of a situation where you have a job, you're being paid, it's life is good. You get free lunch. You got to like, you got to really check your entitlement, man, at the door and just be super grateful for what you're doing. So, sorry. Yeah, that's, I mean, no, that's, rants, that's, rants, I mean, that's something that I think about all the time too. I mean, uh, it's different, you know, like it may be different for you and I, cause you and I have been around, you know, I, you know, I assume you were also doing this in the nineties as well. And I also remember how hard it was just at some points in time in, in Austin, Texas, just to find, just to get an interview, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's where I developed my entrepreneur skills set out of, out of necessity to survive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I remember working at one point in my career in an attic <laughs> of, of, of this, I lived, okay, dude, I lived in this house, um, 
on the east side of Austin that had plywood floors. Um, and it, they were just kind of like the landlord just painted them oh with like, uh, like brown paint, right? And there was this crappy hand-built ladder that went up to an attic. It had no AC. Um, I just had a little room for a desk and that's how I, like, I survived, <laughs> you know? And so um, it's, it's great, you know, but back then, you know, like it wasn't as glamorous to be designing digital products. And nowadays no. it's like, I, I think everyone feels like right now, like, oh, I deserve a job, like right after school uh, or whatever. I just deserve a job, you know, like I'm not willing to, you know, get to know people uh, or build relationships or um, take jobs or commit. I'm just entitled to this. Well, I, uh, and that's I, I, bugs me. Yeah. Sometimes. yeah. And I, and I definitely don't want to come across as like, Hey, being the old man telling the young bucks, what's what I will, I will say though, there is been an interesting with, um, this new thing that we're doing, this design Inc thing. We see every day the convergence between folks and companies who are looking for designers and designers who are pitching and trying to get work. And one thing that we've observed time and time again is there are, there are, there is certainly, uh, how do I say this in a, in a way that can help people? The folks who are consistently getting work are consistently going after the work. And so for every three or four pitches they're giving to three or four companies, they get maybe, you know, they get picked up once. There's another set of folks that they'll try once maybe twice and they won't get picked and they get really bummed. Oh, I tried your platform and I sent a proposal and nothing came out of it. So what the heck? Like, I don't get it. I'm like, how many have you sent? Oh, I sent one. I was like, how, yeah. okay, <laughs> just one. How did, let's read it. Let's read it. And we go in and we read it and it's like the most vanilla lifeless pitch ever. It's like, hi, here's my portfolio. I do good work. Let's work together. I'm like, no one's going to hire you. I wouldn't hire you. You know, put some soul and some effort yeah. into it. So anyway, we're, we're probably getting off topic just a bit. I will say though, go ahead, if you have a thought. No, let's let's talk about Design Inc. Uh, and by the way, thanks Design Inc. Um, for sponsoring this season of the Hustle Podcast. You're welcome. Um, I, re- I really love Design Inc. Um, I know that it's, um, it's new and it's evolving. Um, but um, I think it's really awesome what you're doing. I mean, you're providing a, a tool for uh, people to find great designers. And you're also providing a, a place for people to hopefully uh, be seen and, and and try to build relationships and get work with people. I mean, I think um, even for like a company like ours, there's a lot of value um, in that. I mean, it's, you know, just like you were saying, like there there's time and time, people ask me a lot, well, how, what does it take to like get a successful freelance business mm-hmm. going? What does it take to start an agency? And I say, well, I don't know. I think a lot of it takes like pure guts to be fearless and constantly adapting to the market changes, you know, like what people are buying and the way that they're buying it, et cetera. Um, But you got to meet people, you know, like if it's, if you don't try to meet people, build relationships, try to, you know, pitch work, fail, build, you know, they may not hire you, you know, right then, but there's a chance that they might call you in a year or two or two. There's no quite. And I think, and I think also the idea of there, there's a, I think freelancers come up and they read, they get, they get some bad information online. They, they read things like don't do spec work, don't do free work, don't take. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that's kind of bad advice. I really do. I, I think there are times you do do free work. I think there are times you do do a little sketch and you give away 
you help first. You don't ask for anything. You just like, let me help you. Hey, I know you're a small yeah. band or like you're just a business starting out and, and, you, and you meet someone who's like, look, Mark, I only have 300 bucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I have a friend who started a charter school and uh, you know, I just did his logo for him just to help him. And you know, it's like, I did feel there was part of me, if I'm being truthful, there was part of me that was like, it would be really cool if you paid me some money. There was a point because I thought I did good work for him. And I know now his charter school is doing well. It's been years and he, the logo's all over mm. the place. And I'm like, huh, it would be really kind of cool to like get a check for a thousand bucks or something. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I don't, it's, it's, that's just how, what we do. It's just, if you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you're any other thing, those folks give away their time and their service all the time all the time and yep. the biggest thing i think someone can learn as a, as a how do i freelance it up is to just start doing the work you want to do do it no matter what the money will follow i swear i promise it will i promise it will now then you get to a point where you get to earn the right to actually charge people you get to earn the right then to charge people more money and you get well known and all these kind of fun things anyway what would you um you know we, you and I have been around for a long time. We've gone from print to web design <laughs> to, to mobile, to mobile design, software design to now like what's next, you know, AR, VR, all this stuff. Like, uh, what are your thoughts on what a senior freelance designer should think about how they charge for learning a new skill that they're trying to acquire? Like, so let's say a, there's a senior, uh, a very strong designer out there that's really great at mobile design but they're talking to someone that, you know, posted a job on Design Inc. looking for someone that has experience uh, in AR, augmented mm -hmm. reality, but they don't quite have that skill. Like, what is your, how would you advise someone how to price for something well, like that? Well, it's a really great question. What I would recommend, frankly, is you, 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 for me, I charge the same price for any kind of work I do, even if I don't know how to do it. Because what they're, what I, what they're paying for is for my problem solving. And my collaborate, and my collaboration, right. and my ideas, and my thinking around it. I guarantee you, there's an AR tutorial somewhere, or a VR tutorial, how to design for VR. And if and if you're worth your salt, you can probably pick it up and you know dedicate a few nights and figure it out. So I'm not worried about the technical aspect. What I am concerned about is how do we develop a solution here that's going to work for for whatever thing we're trying to make. And the right. same, my, my brain has tackled print projects the same as it has a mobile project, the same as it has like, you know, uh, anything. It's just, you're paying for my ideas, my energy, my emotional sweat, my blood, my tears. And make no mistake, when you do good design work, you bleed. Like there's a part of your soul that is injected into that project if you're really doing it right. And if you care about what you're doing. And so, you know, when they're buying a piece of me and my time and I'm in, and when folks work with me, you're going to get everything from me. You're not just going to get mock-ups. You're going to get my, you know, my energy and ideas and thoughts and feelings and all these kind of things. And, and I think people, I, I don't think, I think all that should be cost the same. Should all be charged the same. Yeah. And there's a lot of math around, all right, what do you want to make for the year? Divided by 12 months, divided by hours and these kind of things and project hour and you know, all this kind of crap. And, um, I have this, maybe we'll, maybe when this podcast come out, we'll, we'll publicize it. I have this two page engagement letter that I've used my whole career and that's it. Two pages, no contracts, no nothing. 
And uh, I developed this 15 years ago. And it's really, really simple. It says, it says basically this. It says, look, we, we think it's going to cost about 5,000 bucks. That's what we think. That's our scope. We're going to do these things. And I kind of write out what I'm going to do. But then there's this whole paragraph that says, here's the deal, though. We, we have no idea. But we're going to work closely together. We're going to develop a relationship. And if you ask me to help you, I'm going to help you. But I'm going to charge you for when you ask me to help you. And it's a, so it is truly a time materials contract, but it comes across as a project-based contract. It sets the expectation. It says, look, this is probably going to be 10000 bucks, But make no mistake, we both have no idea what's going on. And so we're going to dive into this thing together. And, we're, and if we love each other and we like working with each other, it's probably going to end up being a lot more than this. And Anthony, I'm telling you, time and time again, $1,000 projects have turned into $50,000 projects over and over and over again. And that's the thing that a lot of young designers don't understand. They get so hung up on a project being, well, they only wanted 500 bucks. Bull crap. No one okay. has a budget of 500 bucks. That's a lie. And don't, fall, and don't fall prey to it. And don't fall prey to people who are trying to you know, manipulate you on the budget standpoint. If you do good work, if you are a good human, and you find someone who needs your help, that there is no reason that that can't turn into a beautiful, wonderful, long-term kind of solution at all. If you're finding that you are not getting the good work over and over again, if you're finding that you're getting told no to a lot, you need some serious self-awareness time. You need to think about your approach. You need to think about if you're coming off as entitled. You need to think about if you're not willing to compromise on how you uh, approach that proposal. Uh, you have to also think about if you're even given anything. A lot of designers are like, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not even going to give you the time of day until you sign this contract. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, if you, you yeah. should start working. You should start helping them. Well, but Mark, what's going to happen in two days when you know, they don't sign the deal and whatnot? I'm like, then you just wasted two days. That's okay. You're, I've been waiting for a, a, a time to tell, tell the story, it. and Boom. I'll interrupt Go. you now. So um, this directly related to this. When I started this business, before it was fun size, before... I convinced Natalie to join. It was Anthony Armendaris Design, and I was talking to my first big client, Groupon. Whoa. And uh, they were, I had just quit Evernote, and they were trying to hire me as a full, at full time. And I, you know, I simply said, hey, look, I'm interested in what you're doing. I love point of sale systems, interested in talking, but uh, you know, I, I just moved to Austin from New York. I'm not looking to make a move. Uh, I'd love to work with you in a freelance capacity, though. And they said, okay, great. Like, here's our, here's, we'd love to do that. Oh, that's and awesome. They said, here, Here's our here's our uh, our 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 MSA. Uh, sign this, and we'll get going. And and uh, my first reaction, it was so entitled. Like I I came like I came back. My I had my lawyer like redline the shit oh. out of this contract. And I, I you know I was just thinking, oh, I'm just trying to protect myself, right? Like, but I didn't realize. Uh, and they're just things that I didn't never thought about before. Like, and I got on the phone. Uh, he's a friend of mine now, and he's a, you know he advises our company. Um, and he was our first client. His name is Yuri Ingstrom. Maybe you know him. He also uh, was at Google. Anyway, he's at True Ventures now. Um, Yuri said, look, dude, here's the deal. Um, our lawyers cost like 500 or something yeah. dollars an hour. And this is a small peanuts project. Like, I just want to do some good work with you. Like, do you want to just get started or not? Like, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and he's like, um, he's like uh, really guy why are you redlining my msa 
he's like, you're making my life a living hell right now. There's no way I can go to legal and, and get these things done. Maybe if this was a like a half a million dollar project, but you know, not for whatever that price point was. And he really like it. Uh, I'll never forget that because it, I do, I do believe that people should, uh, you know, have good, um, I like to call it like a, 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 a relationship agreement, like how they want the relationship to work. And I, I think that people do need to commit, but I think you do have to be willing to sort of, you know, be willing to, to try something and just be, take some risk if you want to get some of those projects. I, I know someone, I won't mention their name, for someone very close to me that has said no to some very exciting opportunities because the language and the contract was just like, didn't stroke well, their the, ego the, the, the right way. What people you know? need to understand with Groupon, Facebook, whoever, any most big companies, they send you an MSA or whatever, they, it literally is a canned thing they're saying to everybody else. It would be That's right. a PR nightmare. Nightmare if they decided to stiff you on a payment. Give me a break. You All you got to do is take right. that to the press and be like, hey, that's rad. I did 10 grand of work for these folks and they decided not to pay me. Yay, here it all is. Oh, and look, wow, they shipped it all. Write a medium post on that. Trust me, you're going to, they want to avoid a lawsuit or any kind of PR, you know, way more than, <laughs> dealing, than right. not paying you for crying out loud. I think, I think, um, the, the the trigger to be like oh legally like thought like oh my gosh they're gonna they're gonna steal all my IP and everything which by the way let's talk about that real briefly I think that as a designer designers are always trying to figure out how to protect their work and how to like you know keep I don't know the right to put it in their portfolio so an MSA will come through and says you can't sign and you can't post it in your portfolio you can't do anything and people get really turned off by that. My advice, who cares, sign it anyway. And then guess what? When you're done with the project and you have a relationship of trust, you say, hey, do you mind if I post this on my site? 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not a problem. Or at worst, yeah. they say, just wait till it ships public, then sure, no problem. And you yeah. know, and I, there is something about companies where like Apple and others who say, we don't wanna admit that we're using fund size. We don't wanna admit that we're using an agency. And and I think that's part of being an agency. You have to you have to respect the boundary that they're trying to, you know, they, they have an, their own brand they're trying to protect. And so you do need to then, the, the the side hustle on the side hack on that is to say, well, great, can I actually share this privately with with new yeah. customers? And almost everyone will say yes to that. Almost everybody. All all of the all of these, uh, you know, like if I can interpret what you said, you know, I think the hard skills are sort of necessary to build the trust that you actually are a designer competent of problem solving in general, right? To to consult and to produce great work. And a lot of these soft skills, I mean, I, I, you know, some people have them and, and a lot, but a lot of people don't, you know, like I, you know, like some people have to be trained on how to like just talk to someone or use a calendar or, or you know, like goes on and on. And it's crazy, like, you know, like, um, you know, we were talking about the gig economy and how, you know, the way things are moving and, and a lot of people will be, you know, consultants. And, you know, I think it's fairly true. I don't know what the, how to predict what the math would be, but everyone that I have known that's a designer has at least spent 25% of their career, if not more 50% or more, uh, owning their own business of some flavor or freelance or consulting in some capacity. And, um, I just wish that some of these uh, soft skills were taught a little bit better, like, you know, how to negotiate, how to, 
uh, talk to people, you know, how to, how to communicate, uh, how to empathize. Um, I don't know. Um, but it's not, not, it's not taught. Uh, well, and, and I don't well. know the soft skills are usually a product of experience where you have blown it. <laughs> so you learned a very, you, mm-hmm. you were lucky to have someone point out a particular soft skill to you, which was this idea of intention, this idea of like, Hey, look, we have good intentions. You have good intentions. Let's not mess this up. Now you're going to have another situation where you're going to do the same thing. You're going to get an MSA. You're going to remember your group on experience. You're going to sign it away. And there's probably a clause in there that may screw you. That may cause some damage. And you're you're going to be like, Yuri, come on, man. Like I knew I should have redlined (laughs) this stuff. And, uh, and, and, um, I'll, I'll share, I'll share a story that I, I don't know, long time ago, this, uh, prominent politician had a ranch in, uh, Montana and he, had, and he wanted me to build a website for the ranch. And it was the kind of place you could spend, you know, a bunch of money and go up there for two weeks and pretend to be a cowboy like a dude a dude ranch. ranch. and, uh, very prominent politician. Yeah, I grew up in, in Virginia, right outside of D.C. So we, you know, I have a network there of those kind of folks. And this, this person had worked for Reagan, worked for Bush, like very prominent. And, uh, and I quoted him $2,000. Full design, coded, like done, the whole thing, logo, everything, two grand. I was, I was 22, I was 22 or 23. Brand new married too. I was newly married, trying to impress my wife by bringing home the bacon. And, uh, and he wouldn't, and I, I sent him my engagement letter and he wouldn't sign it and he wouldn't pay a thousand dollar deposit. So I didn't do the, so I kind of wait, you know, nothing happened. A month goes by and he's like, Hey, uh, how come the, how come that site's, uh, you said to be done? Like, what's going on? And you kind of like pressed me and I was like, well, you never gave me a deposit. You never signed this letter. And he read me the riot act. He's like, son, if you, if you can't take my word, then, uh, then we'd have no business doing business with each other. And I was a little taken back and I said, I said, I was advised that good business people will give a deposit, will sign this thing. And he, and he got really aggressive and he got really upset. And he's like, son, my track record proves otherwise. I don't need to sign anything with you. And he got, he got mean and I didn't like how he made me feel. And so, uh, I asked around a little bit. And, uh, and I said, Hey, this individual is kind of riding me pretty hard. Did, did I make a mistake? Did I say something wrong? Should I have just gone through with this? And another prominent politician, very prominent lobbyist said, Hey, Mark, listen, I'm going to teach you something here. There are two kinds of people in this world, people you do contracts with and people you don't. That is someone you do not do contracts with. And you, and you just avoided <laughs> something there. And I don't know how to teach that yeah. soft skill, but I'll tell you, my spidey senses were on fire. I, he made me feel guilty and he made me feel self-conscious and he made me feel nervous. And, he, and I felt like I didn't know what to do. I guarantee if you were to yeah. reflect on your relationship with Yuri, he made you feel comfortable, warm, trusting, and you felt like, okay, fine. If something goes sideways, this guy's got my back. And I know it's a silly yep. thing to say, you know, follow your intuition. But if you are in a deal and you're about to work with a client and it feels shifty, it feels out of focus, it feels foggy, do not do it. Run away. Yep. If, if it feels too good to be true, get out of there. There's other work. There's other fish in the sea. And, uh, and to this day, I've never forgotten that story or I've never kind of forgotten that experience 
because for a long time, Anthony, I felt bad. Like I felt like, oh gosh, I'm not customer service oriented. Like I did something really bad there. Uh, He was also the CEO of the startup I was working for in college. Uh, That's how I paid for school. I worked at a startup doing web design and development. And, uh, you know, sure enough, many years later, uh, startup went under, a lot of things came out and, you know, things weren't, it came out that the dude wasn't the most honorable guy, you know? And so, I don't know. I, I think there's, um, I think a lot of young designers are reading, listening to podcasts, trying to look for answers when they don't look inside themselves and ask themselves, well, what do you like? I I, like, what do you feel? What do you feel? What do you feel you should do right now? And even with, you had mentioned earlier today in the podcast about how you're just figuring things out with, uh, between you and Natalie trying to work out fun size. And you know what? What's right for you is not going to be the right for Rally Interactive or for Wayno or for any of these other folks yep. that you're close with and you probably seek advice out of. It's all, it's, what is right for you all is different than what is right for everybody else. And that is so important for every designer out there. What is right for you is not the same for other folks. Drew Wilson right now is doing his cave week. He's locked himself in a bedroom for a week and he's writing code doing Plazo. And he was getting grief on Twitter. So like, aren't you a dad? Like, why are you like away from your family? And I'm like, who are you? Like, why do you give a crap? Let him do what he wants to do. He like, do you also know that he ran a Winnebago and like spent like months and months with his family? The dude has spent plenty of time with his family. He's an extremist. He'll go, I'm going to spend a year with my family. Then I'm going to spend a year working on a thing. We cannot, we have got to stop judging one another and not to mention, and, and also the inverse of that is true. We have to stop pattern matching one another saying, well, gosh, Anthony's business, he grew it this way and he was, he, well, maybe I should do a, a, an agency with my wife. That might be the most amazing thing. That could be the worst thing ever for like <laughs> a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you know, folks look at me like, oh, I'm a designer. Maybe I should start like a design ink, like a startup kind of thing and raise some money. I'm like, I get maybe. If that's inside of you, being a founder has nothing to do with being a designer. It's a different job, like altogether. And 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 you know, put the damn phone, put the phones down, folks, and start thinking about what what you like. Get in touch with your heart and your stomach and your mind, and and think about that intuition and listen to it for crying out loud. It's not wrong. It's it's the real stuff, you know. And rant. Ha- hashtag yeah, I mean, and rant. <laughs> well, well, I don't I don't know you all that well, but one one thing seems pretty clear to me is that, you know, you're always you seem to be very accessible to people that that um that want to, you know, hear a perspective or want <laughs> advice. And I, I think that's great. I mean I I just I think what you said is true. Like what it, what is true for one what is true north for one person is is um you know probably a potential disaster or the wrong choice for another person. And so you have to really feel these things out. And, and, uh, and I, I agree, you know, we have to look, you have to look at, at all the things that, you know, matter to you and figure out how to make those decisions that, 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 uh, that extremely high paying job or high paying contract can make your life a living hell. It could also make you very happy to, you know, and I think it's just very different. And, um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything you want to add on this, but why, why is it you think that designers are, so quick to judge other designers. Yeah, we've seen a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of Twitter hate back and forth of designers hopping on other feet. And, and I really feel it's because we are, 
Look, here's the deal. In general, if you get somebody super pissed off and angry, it's not you, it's them. They're not happy with themselves, so they have issues with somebody else and their family or whatever they, that they got to work out. So that's the first rule, is to truly realize when folks are super upset, they're probably projecting and have some things inside of them. Having said that, with design especially, we have a really weird job where when we do the work, it is on display for everybody to see and judge. Engineers don't have this problem. Engineers, you know, looking at someone's code and like making a snap judgment on someone's code would be like really hard. You would have to take weeks, comb through and read all their code and like to make a decision. With a designer, oh my gosh, we're, we have the easiest job in the world to judge, right? Because you, you put the work out and anybody, you don't can have an opinion on what it looks like, what it feels like if it makes sense, the colors, the topography, everything. And, and because designers are trained, it's our job to find problems, this is just magnified. It is just compounded. We are trained to look at things and we are paid for our opinions. We're paid to tell you why yeah. it's broken. And by gosh, that's what we're yeah. doing because we're seeking validation. We're seeking to feel we wanna be heard. We want folks to be like, yes, you're right. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we've had, there's been, there's been a lot of chatter on, on Twitters and others. Uh, I, I think when you've reached a certain point in your career uh, as, as, a, as someone, you know, I've, I used to do these portfolio reviews live. Uh, maybe we can link them up in your show notes or something, but I, sh I, I would like to do more. I stopped doing them because people really were wanting me to do them because they wanted me to bash other people. Like when I was looking at a portfolio that wasn't very good, that's when I got like the most attention. Be like, yeah, that sucked, da da da. And this dog piling started happening that, that really turned me off from doing portfolio reviews. We were, we, I was reviewing portfolios so we could find really great talent to add into the designing community. I wasn't doing it to bash people. I wasn't doing it for your entertainment mm -hmm. and I wasn't, certainly wasn't doing it to hurt anyone's feelings. And so I stopped doing them because it was feeding into this Kardashian-like, Kanye West kind of feel that we have nowadays, this kind of train wreck mentality where we do get joy out of other people's suffering. And, you know, that's a bad thing, right? Like we don't, you shouldn't have joy because other folks, you know, if Wayno's agency wins a huge job, if you're going up against Wayno or Rally, it's, you, it's, it's fun size Rally versus Wayno. You know all these guys, you're friends with Ben, you know Hallie. Right? You're going for a Facebook contract. You guys all know it's a $2 million annual contract for the next 10 years. That's huge. That will make a huge impact to your life. And you guys all know what's going on. You lose that to Ben or you lose it to Hallie. How does it make you feel? If you, if, I think if you're, if you're truly enlightened, you're happy for them. You're genuinely happy for them. And you know, you shake their hand and you're a good sport and you're like, good for you. We gave it our all, They, you, you had something we didn't and, and I'm stoked for you. That's not human nature though, we're pissed. What would, or we're, and we beat ourselves up. Why didn't we get that? What did we do wrong? The presentation could have been this. Our price was too high. We look for all these other things. But the reality is when, the, the, when all is said and done, you know, it's much better. It's a much better way of life to look at those other folks' successes and celebrate them like, you know, good for you. I'm stoked for you, genuinely stoked for you. That doesn't mean you don't fight like hell on the next one. And that doesn't mean you can't be angry. Of course, 
Let anger and those emotions wash over you and embrace them, but use them to, to do better the next time and to make changes or whatever. But don't let the anger come forth in your tone and your voice and these other things. Does that make, I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Words, words of wisdom from Mark Himian. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I think we sh- should be more supportive. And, you know, again, I think, like you said, just like doing, you know, doing good work, you know, the money's going to come and just the same thing, you know, the, the investment in the relationships and being a good sport that also has its uh, return on investment too, you know, like, um, for everyone, you know, like for the community, for personal, uh, relationships, you know, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, we're, we're all, you know, connected a lot closer than we think. And, you know, um, every, everyone knows, Anthony, everyone knows each other's intentions. And if you truly have, if an individual truly has contempt for another person, it comes through in their body language, in their tone of voice, even if you're like, Oh no, they're great. If you don't believe that in your heart, there's another great book as a man thinketh. It's like 10 or 12 pages. Like it's super short. Uh, but it also, it has this kind of other further idea about thoughts and like, and dude, it's a real hack to get inside your heart and figure out how to truly love other people. Like that is not easy. Like that is super hard, you know? And, and, um, and I think that's part of the lifelong journey. And as, and as designers, I do think a lot of designers are more emotionally in touch because, because we are taught, we talk about empathy of users. We, we, we are constantly trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And I think we just tend to, as a, as a, as a community tend to be a little more emotive than others. People are like, Oh, they're so emotional. And that, that is true. We are, we're, we we're passionate about what we do. We get, we get hurt. I think we get offended and that's what I think it's actually okay to get offended. I think it's definitely okay to be like, yeah, you know what, this this work was personal to me. And, um, I really thought this was going to be a solution that was going to work. And yeah, it personally hurt when you rejected that idea. And well, it's just business. And I'm like, I get it's just business, but for me, design is more than just business. It's a reflection of my taste and my aesthetic and a part of who I am. So it's, but that's okay. You don't need to own me being hurt. You know, you don't need to own my like, like little sad moment here. I think, I think it's okay to say that we're, the work is personal and, uh, and to, and to get a little motivated there. You know what I mean? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like it was like, everyone tries to like wash, wash over the idea that that design isn't personal and that design isn't emotional. It's the most emotional, personal thing there is period. And because it's our interpretation of what the world should look and feel like. And, and that mm-hmm. comes from a very yeah. deep place that comes from how we were raised, how we perceive things. Um, and so, so yes, when you reject my designs, you are rejecting me. That's what sucks about being a designer. If you reject someone's accounting or someone's like legal thing, I don't know a single accountant or lawyer who says, yeah, that's like a reflection of who I am. Every designer I know believes that the work that they're producing is a part, a little bit of part of who they are. And, and I, you know, I think it's, a, I think it's kind of bull crap to say that it isn't personal. And uh, it's, I, I think the work we do is the most personal work. And that might be a good place to kind of, to end here. It looks like we've been going pretty long. I don't want to bore your folks too much. Well, um, it's not boring to me. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy it, but and I do want to be mindful of your time before I let you go though. Um, just, you know, it's a new year. I mean, what are your, what's your mission for this year? Like what's the one thing you hope to, Yeah, I want to figure out it's simple for me. I want to figure out how we might, um, employ 
financially help over 10,000 designers, writers, illustrators, video, video makers. Any, you know, we have this community of creatives on Design Inc. I just think it'd be really cool if there, if we can impact 10,000 people's lives this year, I'm stoked. Like that's all, that's all I'm focused on um, somehow, some way. And, uh, you know, we get messages. I got a message today of, a, of an individual designer on our platform was like, look, I lost my job in December and uh, I've gotten two jobs who design ink They haven't, you know, made, made a few thousand bucks and was able to take care of my family. So thank you. You get something like that. And like, it, it feels really cool to do that, you know? And, um, so I hope that we can do more of those kind of things. And, and like, look, it's not all altruism. <laughs> like we do more of those things to this year is 10,000 next year. Hopefully it's a hundred thousand. You know, we are doing this to run a business. I'm doing this to take care of my kids and my family and, uh, and the folks that work for us and to keep them employed and keep the lights on. That's also why we're doing this. And it's, I think it's unfair when people try to polarize their motivation and say, well, it's social, it's all social or it's all financial or whatever. No, it's, a, it's an amalgamation of all these motivations. And it's hard to, I can't tell you where one wraps into the other. They're all kind of there together. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, don't ask me another question or we'll be here all night yeah, yeah okay so um uh mark how can people find you on on the internet uh, just my last name hemian h-e-m as in mary e-o-n as in nancy hemian is like everywhere instagram twitter whatever whatever you want and of course designing.com if you need help go over there we'll help you and you know there is a phone number on there if you call it it dials my phone joel's phone and my co-founder bjorn's phone so if you really want to get a hold of me call that about three in the morning and then let's see what happens it'll be funny i think i you might should. call you at you three should. in the morning you randomly should. we're there we're there for you <laughs> we will help <laughs> awesome also please uh please check out his uh writings on medium um mark uh publishes a lot of content there and um ch you know check out his website uh Send us your feedback on the show. Um, Mark, thank, thank you so you. much for everything that you're doing and, and your support of the show and taking time out of, uh, out of your day to, to talk with me, My especially pleasure. taking a, twice as long as I promised. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Hustle. We'll see you next time. Hustle is made by FunSize, a digital design agency that works with inspiring product teams around the world. Learn more about us at funsize.co. This season of Hustles brought to you by Design Inc., the best place to find creative talent and receive free proposals for your project. Go to designinc.com slash hustle and get started today. If you're a designer and you'd like to join, you can apply at designinc.com slash apply. Also, thanks to Graveyard Teeth for the music and Black River Audio for mixing the show.